Welcome to our Zoom on the Sand podcast series, a project aimed at promoting the Paris region through its and river for international students. Our names are Camille and Thomas. We are the hosts and we're students in international tourism in Paris and Madrid. We want to make you discover the gems the Paris region has to offer to you so that you can live a bigger experience of what La Belle France is. We wish you a great listening and hope to give you the desire to discover these offered places, activities and cultures. Today's podcast is about the Musée d'Archéologie Nationale et Domaine de Saint-Germain-en-Laye. And we are pleased to host Rosemarie Mousseau, the director since March 2021. Welcome and thank you very much for attending this podcast. Hello everyone, it's really a pleasure to share a moment with you on that, uh, on such a, a new uh, podcast. I have heard that it's uh, quite a new format, let's say that. And uh, yeah, it will be a delight to, to, to share with you uh, my passion for archaeology, of course, and for this amazing place. Thank you so much. Um, may we ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, well, it's quite a complex <laughs> question. Uh, So, as you have already told us, uh, I am the director of this museum since last March, 2021. And before, I was uh, a director of a small museum in Paris, uh, which is called the Musée Cognac-Jet. It was dedicated to uh, the 18th century, French 18th century, actually. And uh, before that as well, I was a curator into another museum from Paris City, which is called the uh, Carnavale Museum. Maybe you have heard about it. It has been uh, completely refurbished uh, quite, uh, uh, quite, Recently. A, quite uh, a few few months ago. No, no, one year ago now. And um, among that, uh, on top of that, uh, uh, I was as well a participant into a prefiguration, administrative prefiguration of uh, something that she's called uh, Paris Musée. I don't know if you have already heard about it, but it's... Uh, It's quite a company uh, who is in charge of managing all the museums in Paris. Of course, uh, I am graduating in archaeology as well, and I have spent uh, some of uh, my weeks uh, into uh, archaeological uh, excavations and uh, Bordeaux in Italy, which is my favorite field. So, if you don't mind, we will start by making the CV of the museum with general information. So, the Musée d'Archéologie Nationale et Domaine are located in Saint-Germain-en-Laye, a city 20 kilometers west of Paris. It lies in the center of the city and is about 2 kilometers from the Seine River. And it's open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day except on Tuesdays. And the museum is free for people under 18, between 18 and 25 from the European community and other categories. And the general entry is 6 euros. If you feel that there are additional information yeah, that we maybe, can give. Maybe we can have, we can have something which is uh, quite important for this museum. When you are taking the, what we call the RER, which is a train uh, coming directly from the center of Paris, you have only 25 minutes to do, and you will arrive directly at the foot of this museum. So it's quite quick uh, from the center of, uh, of Paris city. It's a great asset to have the public transport being very located near the institution. Um, Mrs. Musso, could you tell for our listeners what the museum and the domain are composed of? <laughs> like building, gardens, if there are several or just one, so that they can have an image of what it is before seeing pictures later. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, maybe we can start with a bit of history. Yes. Uh, this, uh, <laughs> this museum is, uh, is settled in a castle. It's a former royal residence. Uh, it has been uh, a place of birth of uh, Louis XIV uh, in the 17th century. So this castle has been erected in several uh, steps and um, it uh, dates back for the, for the, 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 the eldest part. It dates back from, uh, uh, let's say, one millennium, one millennium, one millennium ago. It has started during the, the, the 11th century where we have a king who had decided to establish um, his uh, own castle in this place. And finally, during his dynasty, uh, the dynasty of the Valois, uh, one of the big kings of this dynasty, Saint-Louis, Louis uh, uh, Minson, has decided to completely refurbish the chapel. Uh, this royal chapel has been a prefiguration from the Holy Chapel. I don't know if you are taking uh, the French one, the, the Saint-Chapel in the center of Paris as well. And um, this chapel is still uh, visitable today. You can have uh, a look on uh, this uh, 13th century uh, design. It has been designed into the Gothic style, so it's quite impressive because when you are entering into it, you have definitely this uh, impression, impression of light everywhere. It's, uh, it's uh, quite, uh, quite interesting when you see this architecture. It's a bit uh, strange as well because this architecture of a chapel is completely surrounded by a kind of uh, wall, let's say that. And these walls are the former walls of, um, established by uh, Charles V. So we are going uh, further and further in time, and we are here into the 14th century. And Charles V decided to completely uh, refurbish as well uh, the castle as itself. And uh, he has erected a dungeon, a dungeon in, uh, in stone. And this dungeon is still a part of the architecture today. So we have already the chapel, the dungeon, and let's go directly to the Renaissance time. And here at this time, Francois I, Francis I, decided to completely open, let's say, to, um, to welcome his court. And he needed for that uh, to uh, enlarge the castle. So he established this castle directly on the former walls, just uh, to preserve, we are still in the upcycling aspect, still to preserve the foundation and finally to use the stone on the site itself. So what you can see today when you are going to this castle is really the look of the Renaissance time castle. Of course, it was not exactly like this because uh, the life of this castle has still developed itself in the time. And uh, Louis XIV, for instance, when he was uh, living here, decided to as well enlarge the castle as well. But this, uh, this uh, new re rebuilding is totally disappeared today. And uh, in the 19th century, let's, go, let's have a, a drop in time. Um, in the 19th century, um, Napoleon III decided to completely review the castle as well. And uh, it has been, let's say that, re completely reconstructed, not completely, but at 75% reconstructed, um, and redesigned with uh, this idea of neo-Renaissance times. So what you can see is really how we were looking at Renaissance during the 19th century. Why he decided to do so? He decided to do so to turn this former royal residence into a big museum. A museum dedicated to a new discipline at this time. This discipline was completely uh, um, was born exactly at the same time as the museum is born, in the middle of the 19th century. 
and and this new field about archaeology, including uh, everything in between the excavation, but as well uh, the historiography, the analysis of the sources, and the way you could definitively have a look and read deeper into what you could see on the ground was really important. And today we are still this national museum of archaeology full of three millions of objects dedicated to architecture. Okay, thank you very much. It sounds really great. So, for our listeners, what do you think make this institution a special place for international students? Oh, <laughs> so it depends on what you are studying on, actually. Um, Um, to be honest with you, when you are coming from archaeology and you are a student in archaeology or art history or even in architecture uh, or even in gardens, because I have not uh, told you about the gardens, mm. these gardens were designed as well by Le Nôtre under the commission of Louis XIV. Anyway, um, all these elements are really related to the French history, of course, but the history of Europe as well. Uh, when we are speaking about Saint-Germain-en-Laye, we can speak about the treatises uh, signed there. We can speak about as well the first um, step into diplomacy because the first, for instance, the first really uh, big receptions uh, and big embassies received in Paris were as well hosted in Saint-Germain-en-Laye at this time. So it's really important on this aspect, which is uh, the historical layer. The second layer is definitely because this museum is hosting a collection of refer what we call the collection de référence, the collection of references about the archaeological discipline. When you want to study prehistory, whatever, wherever you are going placed or located, you have to go in Saint-Germain-en-Laye to see definitively the first series designed to establish the chronology of archaeology. But, of course, this museum is hosting uh, on a yearly basis about 100 uh, researchers coming from everywhere. And the third aspect definitely is really important for you. When you are living uh, abroad, when you want to mm. discover something about Paris, yes. is to come and to visit the domain. Uh, I, I always say that the domain is the best place to discover the architecture of Paris and as well the development, the urban development of the city. Mm. Uh, because you can see you are on the top of this uh, Seine Valley, And definitely you are discovering the different loops of the Seine and you can see several parts, let's say that, of uh, Ile-de-France. So this is definitely the best place to discover it and to, um, to have some fresh hair. And today uh, it's quite needed as well. <laughs> yes, true. This is actually amazing because, well, we were going to ask for a history summary of the place. You did, you, you told us everything about uh, how it's composed. And we were also going to ask um, a link with the Seine River because this is the project. We're taking institution, activities, places that are close by or near the river. So the museum is, is near. But we also wanted to ask, is there a link between the two and what link could we make? And you did it with the view that we can get. And this is absolutely amazing to have the, already all the information for our listeners. I can add, if I may, I can add something about this connection in between the Seine and mm -hmm. so It's always a tricky and funny thing that we cannot see today, but of course, when um, uh, this royal family was coming uh, uh, from the Seine, sometimes they were using a boat to, to come here, and they could uh, definitely um, uh, climb on this terrace to have a strategic point of view. 
The second aspect, which is really tricky, uh, there is something which has completely disappeared. In a thing um, which has been built uh, in the beginning of this uh, of the 20th century, exactly for the uh, Universal Exhibition of uh, 1900, and um, it was a, a fantastic and amazing lift, really a big lift, which was used by the visitors um, to go from the Lepec station, mm -hmm. just uh, down on this, uh, this, uh, this cliff, and you had to Glimbon, and you could Glimbon with this amazing lift. It has been used only until 1925, because it was too expensive to maintain. But definitely, it's quite amazing as a structure. Was the climb like a funicular, or was it like different? A different way. It was really like a, a not like a funicular, but really like a, a lift, okay. completely open and uh, made to 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 welcome twenty people. So you can imagine the structure as well. Quite impressive. What's the objective that the museum wants to convey, and how do you think that the place is great for these international students? We said earlier with the history, but the archaeology itself or the architecture. There is so much to tell about uh, today and as well the future, actually, because when you are looking at archaeology, of course, you are looking at the big, big uh, challenges that we are facing. Too. Uh, for instance, let's speak about the climate uh, or let's speak about uh, the environment. Here you can definitely have a look on to what looked like the environment before and how finally we can see uh, these massive changes today. How it has been really done by your ancestors, but uh, but for instance, uh, there is something I, I'm always used to say. You know, when we are going from the Paleolithic period, which is really a far period up to the Neolithic times, there was a massive climate change. This change um, was really to, at some point, of um, to bring humidity on Earth and above all in Europe, and as well to go up into the temper temperature. That means that the forest has been developed at this time. That means as well that your, uh, what you are using as a food is completely different as well, and that you need to adapt yourself. And we can see definitely that through the collection today. We are facing as well big challenges because uh, as we have this uh, eating, uh, uh, we can see in the domain a lot of differences in the way we can manage this domain uh, for maintaining definitively um, the, the different species to, to maintain as well the forest. So it's quite interesting, and I have only quoted that. We can speak about migration as well. We could speak about uh, uh, geopolitics, uh, which is another tricky thing. So definitely, when you are looking at archaeology, you are looking at human. So humanity and the way it has developed. And it's in the end not just archaeology, as you say, but a cross-cultural uh, fields, all conveyed in the same place, talking about different things. I have a question, might be a bit more personal, but as Madame Mousseau, who is the director of the place, what's, in your opinion, the thing that shouldn't be missed and your favorite thing in the museum. It could be the garden, it could be the view, it can be one specific art, but something that could be amazing that you say, we have to see it, if you okay, have. Okay, so I have No, but it's very really difficult and I will make some people jealous in between them, so I cannot uh, tell one specific object. I can tell you definitively about the chapel. Mm -hmm. You cannot miss the chapel in any time. You have to go as well to have a walk into the English garden, 
which has been uh, erected by Louis Philippe when uh, I decided to establish the train in 1837. And okay, I'm telling to you about one object that definitely <laughs> is my favorite one. And it's a big, big uh, art. Today it's exhibited into the British Museum about the exhibition, The World of Tonhenge. And you have only four of this art into the world. It's, um, it's a 70 centimeters cone hat and completely made of golden, uh, golden leaf. It's quite impressive. And uh, we think that it's, dead, so it's, coming, it's dating back to the Bronze Age. We are in the second millennium BCE. And definitely, uh, it was a massive testimony of all the, 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 the heaven, how the astrology could be represented at this time. How finally gold and uh, this astral system were connected to. It's an amazing object. So fragile and at the same time it's telling too much about uh, this period. So this this object is right now at the British Museum, but it will come yeah. back to the... It will come it back will to come you. It will come back uh, in July, late, late July. July 2022. Yeah. So the potential international students will be able to see it. Of course. That's amazing. So now as a little conclusion, uh, in three words, what can international students gain, gain from their visit? Just in three words. Knowledge, brave and hope. Let's say that. <laughs> wow, <laughs> perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. We really want to thank you for your interesting and super presentation today and we want also to thank you for your availability. We are very grateful for your participation. Yes, we really are. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And just like that, this is the end of our podcast. You can find more information about today's presentation and about the agenda of our next issues on our Instagram. Thank you so much for listening and see you very, very soon.